Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to this iteration of Faster Than a Stand-Up. I'm Brent Lamont. Joining me today on the second of our series within Leadership and Agile, we have the leadership team from the ISBN Enablement Operations team. I have Teresa Kramer, Jesse Marchun, Robin Bittner, and Amy Evans. Hello, everybody. Hello. Howdy. So today we're going to have as our second iteration, and this is another long form. It'll be longer than 15 minutes. Just sit down and buckle up. It's going to be a conversation about the myths of leadership. And so I'm going to start with something that we talked about in the last iteration, which was assumed versus authentic. Teresa, you want to tee that one up for us? Uh, yeah. So this topic actually came to me around about 16, 17 years ago when I was in college studying to be an elementary school teacher. And in one of my classes, they were talking about this concept of authentic authority versus assumed authority. Assumed authority in that dynamic being I'm the adult, therefore I am the boss and authentic authority being um, the investment of the child and the trust that they have in you to help guide them in their journey. And what I have found over the course of my career is that the concepts apply very much, um, very similarly to adults, where in a leadership position, you can either take the stance of, I am your boss, therefore thou shall, or, you can take the approach of being very genuine, getting to know the people, building a trusting relationship in which people want to follow you versus they're forced to follow you because you're signing their paychecks. What I found in my experience from early on in my managerial career, taking that stance of I am the boss, people do what they're told because they're told to do it. <clears throat> but whether they're actually invested in it or not, um, creates the difference between that loyal, I'm willing to do whatever it is you ask me to do versus I'm just gonna execute on what you told me to do, which is a very different dynamic. And I found that in work relationships where I've taken the stance of trying to build that authentic authority, it's been a much more powerful and much more lasting um, engagement and, and relationship with individuals. Okay. Amy, you want to jump in on that? Sure. Yeah, I, I yes. Um, the more you can, I feel like the more we can engage the people who are on our teams that we work with and the more the conversations become about the work that we're all doing, the investment that we're all, that we're all, that we have in the work that we're doing together um, and also demonstrating doing work with the teams um, as well, not just saying go go forth and do, and I'll come along and check in every now and then, but you know, being part of that team, being part of the, that work helps to build that authentic authority because people know that they can trust in um, you know, having failures, that you know, you're gonna be right there by, by their side. It's, it's okay, I'm not gonna come back and say, oh, you screwed up. You know, but you're you're in it with them. I kind of feel like it's in the trenches versus, you know, if I'm just the boss and I just say go go do. I I feel like that puts people on their heels, and now they're just waiting for something to happen. They're waiting for for me to come back and say that 
you know, that, that it isn't right or, or it misses the mark or, or some, some, some verb or some form of that. So my career journey, well, I, it was never explicit to me, the, the, um, authentic, um, versus the assumed I have grown into that and learn, learn that on my journey through having some horrible leaders and, um, having had those experiences <laughs> with those leaders and then having other leaders that were very genuine and invested in me. And they demonstrated that investment, um, very, very closely, um, we have, I have to this day, one of my greatest leaders, she and I are still very good friends and have that wonderful relationship because we spent, she spent a lot of time with me and coaching me and it formed a mentor type of relationship. And that's what I, I would aspire to be. So I have a question. Do you ever mm-hmm. want to go back and see what happened to one of those people who did a poor job of leading you? I don't have to. <laughs> okay. Wow. Nice. That one, that's, nice. that's a non. <laughs> I've got two, two examples in the same organization. Okay. We could, do, we could do a leadership topic on that, on bad behavior. Bosses. <laughs> bad oh, bosses. Yeah. Wow. Similar to what Amy is saying about having a leader that, was invested, right? I think that that is what helped me make that shift mm-hmm. between this is how how you behave, you're the boss, mm-hmm. and taking a step back when I was out of that position to think, how do I want to be a better leader? And thinking back on those mm-hmm. leaders who inspired me the most and got the best out of me, and looking at those characteristics of those individuals, I think a lot of people when they go into management may have not had that experience. Mm-hmm of having that person that truly created the best you inside of that work environment. Mm -hmm. And that is what a lot of behaviors are based off of. All of my bosses have acted like this. Therefore, this is how bosses act. Mm -hmm. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Jesse. So I'm, I'm thinking a little bit about that transition from an individual contributor to a leader. Uh, and how that impacts people's sort of mindset on, you know, the assumption or the uh, authenticity of of, uh, of of leadership. Um, and from my experience, I, I feel that many people develop that skill of being able to sort of influence without authority on that roll up to becoming a. a uh, line manager or, or, or beyond. Um, but then something switches at some point <laughs> where, where once you're in that line manager position, um, you, you feel like you, you know, have, have that assumed authority. Uh, so I'm, I'm just thinking about that a little bit on, on this discussion and, and for ways for, for people to sort of remember to how they, how they were able to influence without authority on their way, on their path to becoming a manager and to rely on those skills more than the ones is then that you may develop as a manager as you advance up the organization. Can I just jump in there? Because I think that that's sure. such a valid point in that when I first made the transition from, I've gone from IC to manager to IC to manager. I don't even know how many times 
um, in my lifespan at this point, my working career. But what, I, what always struck me, um, like one of my very first transitions was um, the company started sending me to all these leadership classes and they became about, this is how you tell people what to do, mm. which I thought was fascinating to me because I was like, well, that's not how I got here. I was an individual contributor. Like I just did my best work and I collaborated with my peers and my team members and demonstrated my ability to deliver or, or to help teams deliver. And therefore that's what got me. And that's what was communicated to me that got me into this next level of my career. But now I'm taking these classes within this company. And now they're saying you need to, this is how you manage people. And this is how you tell them what to do and how to do it. I just thought, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, Jesse, because it was such a such an interesting a moment when when you make those switches, and then to your point, realizing how did I actually get here? It wasn't about any of this stuff. See, and isn't that interesting? Because normally, when you have a conversation where you're talking with people who are now managers, like when we're working with teams, and you have. Uh, you have someone who's a functional manager who got that role because they were the best at X, the best developer, the best writer, the best designer. And they've moved into their, they've, they've grown into a functional manager role, but yet they still want to be an IC. Mm-hmm. So that ends up being a, a challenge when you're coaching that because it's the, okay, you need to lead more, do less. Mm-hmm. And how do you tell someone that they need to do that without either A, their feelings being hurt or B, it blows up back at you as doing a bad job of coaching? Yeah, I actually want to build on both of your points of the idea of somebody moving from an IC role, pick a discipline into a manager role. Mm-hmm. And Amy, I've had similar experiences where the management training was what? <laughs> Really? <laughs> That's going to be my biggest worry. Um, but on the flip side of that, I've also seen organizations where people just move from an IC role without any type of support yeah. in what it means to more manage, but more specifically lead people. Mm-hmm. And while that might not have been a great training experience for you, at least they made an effort. <laughs> at least there yeah. was effort. Yeah. Because I think there's there's not that acknowledgement to Brent's point of I was really good at coding or I was really good at being an analyst and now I'm going to go manage these people. There's a different lens, a different skill set, a different set of muscles you need to be able to flex and maybe let some atrophy, quite honestly, in order to be able to successfully lead people. Mm-hmm. In my mind, there's a very clear distinction between I'm managing people and I'm leading people. Yep. Yeah. Okay, Robin, we haven't at, we haven't had to weigh in on this topic. It's okay <laughs> if you want to just sit there and go. It's all good, right? Everybody no, I, it is. It is all good, and there's such a wonderful richness of the themes that are coming out of this. One that's very apparent is that for better, for worse, or for good or for bad, as one might want to qualify those, we are influenced and formed by the experiences that we have and the people that we've worked with and for and under and over. And I can think of 
you know, a couple, as I'm sure everyone can, instances of where something was really poignant and it touched us because relative to our values, and I think this is a really key point, relative to how we aspire to be in the world, we've seen things that have reinforced our desire to get to that state. Now, that's a critical point because not everyone has the skill set to be a leader. Not everyone wants to be a leader. And part of the challenge, as we've talked about weaving some of these items together, is that people who may not be intended to be a leader or desire to be a leader are put into that because of some exceptional skill they have, or they are the best, or they've been there the longest. And so as we look at this notion of leadership, and as Teresa had said, teasing that away from the notion of management, there are different aspects of that and skills and behaviors that one, to be a for instance, if you aspire to be a leader who is a servant leader, there's things that are very different than to be a command and control leader. And I will offer that another facet on this is thinking about dealing with a variety of cultures, even within the same country. So, you know, if you're a local company where you've got folks that are just in that general area, you'll have some variety of personalities, but the culture probably, you know, if you're in the Southeastern US or in the Pacific Northwest or California, you've got some consistency there. You start expanding across the United States, you're gonna have different behaviors, styles, cultures that you have to take into consideration, expand it into international organizations where you've got different countries, some of which, by the way, I would offer and posit that they align better in their culture to more of a command and control and direction. I've seen situations where when trying to apply a more, I guess, delegative type of approach, that's been confusing and difficult. So one has to consider all these elements and those elements become more complex and, and multiplied in nature as you look at the area that you're trying to work with. So back to the original theme of, you know, the authenticity and, and you know, leading without authority and such. Um, one thing that I've always tried to hold dear from a very early point in my career is that, I found that doing something because I believed in the value of it is infinitely more powerful than doing it because someone told me to do it. And what that tends to result in, if I'm told to do something, I may not understand and then I resist and you know that the negative side starts to build up because I feel like I'm being told to go do tasks and I'm not valued as an individual. So I've always tried to avoid using the, I want you to do that because I'm there or more commonly, somebody up the chain has wanted us to do that. Although at times you have to say, hey, this is a priority for that person. Let's figure out how to make this thing happen. So I think that's a key element to this is focusing on value of actions as opposed to the positional nature of where they're coming from. See, and this is a perfect time to pivot to the next topic, which I'm going to let me shuffle around. Oh, please. Oh, no, just let, let, me, let, me add, <laughs> let me add one more thing, too, I think, uh, we, and then we can segue. So we've been talking a lot about this assumed versus authentic from a perspective of a leader or manager down to their team level. However, even someone that's super command and control you know, micromanage oriented is going to have to develop those other skill sets because we live in a complex organization. We all work in complex organizations um, mm-hmm. that, um, you know, starts to touch on like the, you know, team of teams concept from, from you know, McChrystal. 
Um, but basically, you know, we're, we all work in large organizations. Uh, you do, you're going to reach your limits of where you have your <laughs> authority and your silo, even if you are command controls, you know, minded. So um, if you really want to align and persuade, you're going to have to develop those other skill sets. So mm -hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end it on that. Good point. This is where we're going to wrap up on assume versus authentic. Next, we'll talk about delegation versus tell me what to do. Until that next iteration, I'm Brent. And I'm Amy. And Jesse. And Robin. And Teresa. Until the next time, you can give us a five-star rating at your podcast provider. Reach out to us at mail at info at fasterthanastandup.com, or you can find us on Twitter at FasterStamp. Thanks for listening. And that was Faster Than a Standup. The opinions on this podcast are solely those of the participants and not of their employers.